hello everybody welcome to the scottish rugby podcast brought to you by the scottish rugby blog i am cammy black um we've got um we've got a second podcast of the week this week so it's quite frankly too much to talk about in uh, in in one sitting so we've already done our review of the third test um but this weekend saw the opening round of the uh Fossock super six i've got to get that right because i keep saying Foz, i keep saying Fosrock, but but it's four four Fosrock super six Fosrock sounds like it's like a 90s tv program <laughs> It sounds like it was a a section in the Muppets. Yeah, I was going to say a, Mu- a Muppet rock. band. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm sure with that, they're a fine sponsor, and we're grateful to them for uh, sponsoring the Super Six. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, we'll get onto that later on. So they've been the first round of games of this weekend. So we're, we're going to have a wee chat about that. Um, the other point of business. Uh, this evening is the teams for the Springboks and the Lions have been announced for the test at the weekend. So this is a good opportunity to kind of have a bit of a preview, um, a preview of that game. Um, shall we just launch straight into this then? Because we we did our prediction, didn't we, Craig? I'll start with you. We kind of we on Monday night. We thought, well, have a, although it was kind of irrelevant within twenty four hours of the podcast going out, we thought have a lot of crack it predicting what what they might do and i think it's safe to say that this isn't the team that we predicted would would be put out um yeah um i kind of said that they wouldn't really mess around with the forwards that much and they obviously haven't uh to the eternal dismay of many a many a a scotland fan and b um Quite a lot of other fans that aren't English um, regarding uh, Mr. Laws, but um, but the yeah, it, ugh, it, it, we thought that we weren't going to mess around too much because it's too important, and uh, and then Gatland has gone no no let's uh, let's get rid of his uh, you know let's change it around as much as we possibly can, uh, but it, it seems that he has gone back to some um, some semblance of the the. Um, uh, pods that he's been playing in the in the warm up games, so maybe he's decided to actually do what he was going to do in the first place. You never know. Yeah, I mean the forwards for me is the is the one that's the real head scratcher because we said, I think in the in the last podcast, John, you went there, but, but you, you you obviously watched the game at the weekend that yep. the the forward has got the forward pack in the second half got absolutely murdered by the South Africans, and and the fact that you've got someone like Maro Toji resorting to you know kneeling on someone's chest. Shows that they were under immense amounts of pressure. I'm not saying that Maro Otoji isn't above a bit of craphousery because you know he's he's Mister Craphousery personified. But you could tell they were rattled. The, the mall was at sea. The mall defence, in particular, they had no clue what they were doing. That 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 pack got murdered. Yeah. So yeah. why why we're back with them again? In particular, I mean, I don't, did you, did you watch Squidge's video today? Yeah, I did, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Particularly uh, given that the laziness that was showing up for Courtney Laws, I, I, I don't, I don't understand it. It's, it's a very strange decision, isn't it? And like almost, there's almost an element of the change that has been made. Obviously, bringing in Ken Owens, Owens was shocking as well. Yeah, like that, like really, really bad. And he's rewarded that with a test start. I mean, yeah, it's my, my only thing is, is my, it? own, my only what, what 
thing about Ken Owens is he stuck him in because it's a uh, for the front row to go in with Win Jones because they're used to scrummaging together, yeah. and and he's and he and he wants. I, I mean, you, I'd be interested to find out from you, Craig. How, how much does it matter as a prop to have be alongside a hooker you're familiar with? Because do they do, they do much other than just kind of. Add ballast. <laughs> well, I can't even. I can't even describe how um, uh, how off-putting that comment is, Cami, because we are a brotherhood in the front row, um, <laughs> and we uh, we we get each other in and out of trouble, whether we're in on the field or out the field. I think, it, yeah, for me, it's the it is important because you you learn a certain way, especially a loose head. Uh, a loose head and a, and a hooker, a tight head, you know, we we borrow in and we tight in and we, and we do all our bits and pieces when we can and we're meant to be, we're fairly solid. Um, but uh, the the loose head and the, and, and the hooker do quite a, quite a, how can I put it? Um, they are the, they have a, a technically difficult job um, together. So it's always quite, quite a good thing to have them both together and, and scrummaging together at the same time because they know each other and they've played a long time with each other. Yeah, that was the only reason I thought that Owens would probably comes in ahead of anybody else, just because of the amount of trouble that the the scrum was in, particularly in that second half. I mean, you said Craig that you know it was Rory Sutherland. You know, it has. I think you know he's reached he's reached a kind of a, a peak and plateaued a little bit with the Lions, and it's no bad thing because you know it's it's the pinnacle of Test rugby as a Lions, and he he did his he did his bit, but. It, Obviously, the scrum's struggling, so they've got to try something different. Oh, I, I have no qualms whatsoever of when Jones coming in. Uh, when Jones has done a uh, did a, a fairly, uh, you know, a pretty good job the last time he played before he got injured, um, he looked incredibly solid, and he is a he is a great player. So I, I've got no qualms. Him and him and Ty Furlona, Furlona, I think, will be an absolute. You know, well, it's the strongest combination. I think the only question mark is over. Hooker, um, and I think just as we've talked about, I haven't, you know, it was a toss up between um, uh, Ken Owens or um, uh, oh god, he's just gone right out of my head. Um, <laughs> Luke Cowan Dickey, yeah, um, it was a toss up between who who starts, and and I think Cowan Dickey's the more dynamic off the bench. Um, so I think um, you're probably better that uh, that Owens starts, you know. Yeah, I mean the second row is not really a surprise. I think we always knew they were going to be yeah. be Alan Wynne Jones and, and Mario Toji. I mean, Adam Beard Beard has come on to the the bench, John, and you know he, the game he played against South Africa. It's maybe a I said I'd say it'd be a surprise he hasn't been there earlier. But I guess with having Laws in the back row and Burn on the bench, th- there hasn't really been room for him given w- whatever tactics it is that they've decided that they they need to play. Yeah, no, there hasn't there hasn't been room for him, but that isn't to say that there should have. I mean, there should have been room for him. His his performances on tour, as we've seen with quite a few people, have come on tour, put their hands up and said, "Do you know what? I'm actually like maybe you think I'm third or fourth choice in this position, but I'm actually I'm I'm touring well, I'm playing well, I'm on form." He's one of those guys. The back row, I think, is 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 interesting because it, uh, did you see the Squidge Squidge's video today yeah, that's gone yeah. out? Yeah. yeah. So, um, for those that haven't seen it, it's well worth a watch because it talks a lot about um, you know what went wrong in a bit in a lot more detail and what the the Springboks tactics were and how they kind of the Lions were a little bit found out tactically at the weekend. One of the 
things, the video highlights is for the what the first South African try. And that's the interesting thing with things like this, because we always I think we've been guilty of it before on this podcast. You you what the temptation is to to look at the very last thing that happened before a try was scored mm. and then blame the player closest. So of course it's you know that that first try it was Conan Hogg and Watson who were at sea. But actually what Squidge is very good at doing, which is why it's so successful, is it, the tries are always scored at least two, three, two, three phases before the ball actually crosses the line. And I think just the, the phase before, there's a ruck and Dan Bigger is actually hitting um, Courtney Laws to tell him to move out, to push the defensive yeah. line out, and he doesn't move. Yeah. That, to me, is absolutely criminal at that level. And the it astounds me because that can't have been missed. I mean, the fact that Dan Bigger was, you know, is is slapping him. There's no way that's going to be missed in in a post match review. So how he's still in the team is is utterly baffling to me. Yeah, well, the only thing I can think of is that they've um, is that they've they've got him there as a uh, two things. In the first test, he was very good in the air. Um, and they've been, and we've been pretty. Um, the lines have been pretty. They were they were torn apart uh, in the air in the second half last at the last test. But also, he's a direct replacement, really, for Nat Marotoji, and you've got Beard on the bench to replace um, uh, Alman Jones. Um, and I think, you know, okay, you've got Bern. I think, um, I, th- I think would be a more dynamic player. Um, but I think they've just gone for heavy duty. Um, because they were beaten up so much, um, and whether he's, I totally agree with you. It's absolutely ridiculous, especially considering we are supposed, to, or the Lions are supposed to be the fitter team. Um, but uh, to be start, you know, yeah, um, I think I think that's the only reason. I think it's just because he can come in and he can and he can replace a uh, Mario Toji um, straight away if there's any problems. Yeah, I, I do wonder, John, whether or not it's. It's just a case of it's been too late for the Lions to change their game plan to deploy a more dynamic back row rather than you know the the lumps that they've they've got in there. Yeah, they, they seem to have they seem to have picked a, a back row with a very particular purpose, and as yeah, they've, they've kind of committed to that. So then the backs. I mean, the looking at Bundyaki's coming at twelve. Craig and to clear alongside Robbie Henshaw, it's obviously a it's an established combination. I think Chris yeah. Harris is very unlucky for me to miss out because I don't think the combination of Harris and Henshaw did much wrong at the weekend to to warrant kind of that panic of you know kind of go going completely going with something completely different. Yeah, I I. I, I, I for for me, I think it's just a matter. I think. As Gatland has said, um, he's looking to play a bit more, um, and I think he's he's just I think hopefully he's going to start bigger's going to start throwing some flat passes and using an Aki to to attack the space um, and he, uh, uh, going back to a, a, a Manu Tulagi style of smash it up at, at twelve and I think Henshaw is more of the playmaker outside him um, so. Uh, uh, I think Chris Harris was unlucky because he had Watson outside him um, mm-hmm. on the uh, uh, last weekend, um, and Watson was just all at sea. I, I really felt that. I, I, I don't know if I, I may be wrong, but I, I just felt 
Watson was a seesaw. I think Chris Harris was, was doing a little bit more or having to play a little bit more in defence, especially. That was just your tartan glasses, Craig. That's a problem. That's you can't see. You can't. You can't see any fault with the Scottish lads. Speaking of Scottish <laughs> lads, speaking of the Scottish players, um, we've got Hogs gone, completely out of the the, the match day squad. Um, again, if you, we talked about this in the last podcast a bit, that you know, you, the the your full your back three are not solely responsible for what happens. In the air, you know they, they've got a responsibility to try and catch it, but they need help to do that. They need to support the players around them to protect them. Yeah. And again, if you watch um, Robbie Owen Squidge's video, it goes into a lot more detail on this. The, basically, the back three had had absolutely no protection whatsoever from from their teammates. You had Conor Murray in absolutely the wrong place. You yeah. had um, and Courtney Laws again. Just you got, got offering no support. The back, I think you know. We identified there was at least one point where you had the centres completely isolated and absolutely mullered by the the Springbok back row. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel I, f- I think that there's a slightly bitter taste about Stuart Hogg being dropped because for all his detractors online, it wasn't down. It wasn't 100 percent down to him, and I'm not necessarily sure. Like we said, that Liam Williams coming in is is a is an improvement. No, I, the, the, I think they've gone for the sweeping, um, the sweeping statement of we need to do something about the um, the, the, the kicking game and, and and the bombs that South Africa are going to send them that way by changing the people who catch them rather than changing the setup of their of their defence, um, and you know obviously they've, we'll we'll talk about. Um, uh, Duhan in a minute, I guess, but um, I think if I think Stuart Hogg was the right, should have been the, what well, I felt was the right choice with my tartan tinted glasses on again. But I think he didn't. He, I don't. I think he he had a quiet game, but that was mainly because of the setup of the of the attack. Um, they were under pressure all the time. They didn't get a chance to get the ball out and and attack as he would as he would usually do. So I think he was quite, he had a quiet game, but again, he didn't. He didn't spill the ball as much um, as others did, and mm-hmm. also um, there was uh, as as uh, and 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 thanks to Robbie for uh, Squidge Rugby for his, uh, his his fantastic work. Um, as you watch, as as he goes through it, you do see that there's no there's nobody there to receive any balls coming back if they if they are knocked back by a hand, um, which he did a couple of times as well. So. <sighs> As we said, we didn't think he would change the back the back three wholesale, but he kind of has. Yeah, there was one intro rugby pass. Um, it's Ben Smith, um, not the Ben Smith, the rugby player, but the the writer Ben Smith has done a little piece on rugby pass about Duhan today, and there's some absolutely phenomenal stats have come out of that um, that I don't think anybody's picked up on yet. And again, Duhan's got a lot of detractors outside of Scotland, um, with people with their you know their leak. Coloured glass, tinted glasses on, and their, you know, their rose tinted glasses and their shamrock tinted glasses. You know, saying it, you know, that Duhan was weak under a poor ball. His defence isn't that good, but actually, it's, and this is this is quite astounding that the the Springboks won zero ball in the first two tests in contestable kicks where Duhan was was the jumper. Yeah. Now that that's an amazing across two tests against the you know the World Cup winners, 
for a guy like Duhan, who let's face it is wet behind the ears from an international point of view. I know he's he's a bit older than you would expect. So you know, like Lewis Rizamet, who's mm. making his debut. You know, the, obviously Duhan's taken longer to hit the international scene because he's had to wait to qualify in residency, and his career didn't take off straight away. But for someone to come in and do something like that to the world champions, and also I think you know Ben Smith points out is the. Um, he, he makes a South African second row drop the ball because he's so worried. He's so conscious that Duhan's advancing on him mm. that he drops the ball. So if you've what Duhan's not doing a lot wrong. In fact, Duhan seems John, and hopefully John's back with us now. Let's Duhan start. is doing Duhan. Duhan's doing phenomenally well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was a lot of cries for him to be punted, as you said. But the stats, you know, the the coaches that are sitting coaching this Lions team, they're not they're not silly. They'll have those stats in front of them as well. And he has he's done exactly what's been asked of him, which is run really really hard, like the giant big man you are, and try and get the ball back. That's that's what he's been asked to do. So he's done it really well. And if you can, you get the ball back, Craig. Smash them into next week. Absolutely, and that's uh, you know he's almost an adopted forward in my in my eyes. Um, but I think I think also um, it goes back again to um, Conor Murray's kicking and how poorly Conor Murray played last week. Um, because I think uh, you know if you look at where he's placing the ball um, and he's giving the South Africans far more opportunity to catch the ball, and Duhan wasn't getting the opportunity to. Um, uh, charge them down and put pressure on them. Um, the last thing you want is someone his size and uh, and his uh, his his build and uh, especially his Arnold Schwarzenegger accent um, coming down. you know coming towards you, um, and 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 you, you do have to think twice. And that's what you want to do when you're do when you're contesting these sort of balls. Yeah, I mean the Springboks must have been absolutely rubbing their hands last week, John, when it was Conor Murray announced instead of Ali Price. And we've got a comment from Malcolm Knox here who says. With Faf gone, of course, Faf de Klerk is, is injured. Uh, legendary status is available to Price. Who would have thought? Talk about taking a chance. George Horn mumbling into his coffee. <laughs> Poor George Horn. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, Robbie's video, if you want to see the contrast of the kicks Price put in in the first test compared to the kicks that Murray put in and also the way that Price follows up his kicks and protects the catcher, it's the worlds apart. And I, I didn't think we'd be sat... I mean, none of us could have imagined last year, John, that we would be sat here in the third test with the British rugby media screaming for Ali Price to start a scrum half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very valid point, isn't it? And it just, it, you know, credit credit where credit's due. Ali Price has really... He's embraced being a lion and he's really it has kind of... He's one of those players that seems to have taken him to that next level. Um, admittedly, if we're being a little bit rubbish about it, he hasn't had much competition because Conor Murray has been honking. And and I, I mean, and it was funny actually. I saw one of the one of the let's say silly journalists who um, had had their say about their team before the team got announced. They were talking about, you know, consistency and form on tour and all this, blah, 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 blah. And then pick Gareth Davis at nine. So, <laughs> you know, honestly, like, it's like, 
criminal. You should be actually fired for that sort of nonsense. But anyway, um, no, I think I mean Ali Price is is he has he's he's really done everything that's been asked of him. And the fact is, Conor Murray was there to box kick, and Conor Murray was there for his kicking game. Ali Price has surpassed his kicking game. So I think we've we've you know we've got all to be proud of. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing then, Craig. Obviously, the exciting news is that um, you know his 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 lordship, the you know, has come down from on high, juggling balls and three beers, and is, is allocated three beers in hand and descended to the bench, <laughs> ready to come on and save the Lions tour in the last twenty minutes. It's Finn Finn Russell's finally here. Has finally arrived. There's, and we talked last time, didn't we, about that? There's, you know, we can't win as Scotland fans unless Finn comes on and single handedly wins this test. But also because it's Finn Russell, there's also the prospect that Finn Russell can come on and single handedly loses this test as well. Yeah, and and this is this is the exciting and. Um, <laughs> What's the word? How can I put it? It's just I'm I'm on so 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 on tender hooks with it because just as you say, we're either gonna it's either gonna be Finn Russell. Wow, why have we been? You know, if you hadn't been injured, he's, he, we would have won this three nil. Um, <laughs> or it's gonna be Finn Russell. Don't ever bring any Scotland people, Scotland players on tour ever again. And Gregor Gregor Townsend should be. You know, hounded out of uh, South Africa. <laughs> the, the 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 amazing thing is, uh, a lot of people are saying like Finn Russell can't control rugby games, and that's utter nonsense because we yeah. saw in the Six Nations. I mean, you saw the the England game. He controlled that. I mean, I've got the two examples of games I'd give in the Six Nations that Finn Russell controlled magnificently. With Ali Price, has to be said, were England and France, and in both games. He got yellow cards. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be that, and this is what I'm worried about because he's not going to get enough time. If he, if he starts, then he's got the opportunity in the first 10 minutes to get his yellow card out of the way, focus, and then get back into the game and then away he goes. Um, but, you know, I think what I think what gets most of the pundits and the, the thing that enrages most of the pundits and the uh, that. In, in in all of the countries that we that we're talking about today, is they can't stand how relaxed he is, and how it does not bother him if he makes a mistake, he just goes eh, shrugs his shoulders, has a wee smile, winks at well usually if it's racing he winks at Simon Zebo and then off he goes again, and <laughs> and I think it's just that is the you know and then he goes off and does something like nutmeg one of the uh, one of the monster boys and and it just. He is just um, he's got better and better. He's settled down a little bit. His control has come to him. I think Rassing has done him a wonder of good. Um, he's gone from being um, the wonder kid at Glasgow and then into Rassing, where it's well, if you're going to be the wonder kid, come on, show us, let's go. And uh, I think I think I can't wait for it. I, I, I really wish he was. I wish he was starting. To be perfectly honest, yeah. I wish he was fit because it would have been it would have been bigger than Russell. Russell bigger. You know, yeah. all the way through the tests, and it's it's just that I think I'm feeling a little bit cheated out of it, to be honest with you. I know, I know, Brody, Brody, Brody Dunks says we'll never hear the end of it if Finn Russell becomes this tour's Ronan O'Gara. 
<coughs> well, at least he'll go and start coaching, you know, um, coaching <laughs> yeah. one of the French teams, you know. Sat in his travel lodge hotel with his uh, earbuds in, given <laughs> <laughs> his trouser press, given mid-game commentary. Um, yeah, I, it's yeah I, to see Finn properly in a line shot in a test is. I'm excited about that. What I really hope doesn't happen. I mean, Gatland has said, I think, in the press conference that he is going to play some part in the game. What I really hope is that the coaches have the balls to put him on with 20 minutes to go, regardless of what's happening on the field. What I don't want to see is it's there's 20 to go. It's a tight game. Mm. Let's not put Finn on because we've got a feeling that he might do something rash. Because I I, I I I'd hate them to play it conservatively at that point and just say, well, let's just let's just hope that Dan Dan Bigger sees out the game because it's on a knife edge. I think yeah. in in a, in a winner takes all match like that, you have to roll the dice, and either you're down by a load, stick him on. If that happens, stick him on as soon as possible. And let's just see what happens. If it's on a knife edge, he's going. He he is the one that can unlock the game for you. Mm-hmm. And if it's if you're in the lead, he's the one that possibly could put it beyond doubt. So I, whichever way you look at, I think they have to roll the dice. They they have to. Um, and you know, I, I I can I'm 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 going to sit here on my um and, and and the hill that I'm going to die on is is the fact that and I'm going to say it when Owen Farrell started throwing flat passes and actually started to play, it looked like we could turn the game. Um, and that is what Finn Russell's all about. You give an, you give Finn Russell an aggressive defence, a defence that's blitzing all the time, as the South Africans have been doing, and he will run dry it. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, because they're firing up, there's nobody behind. He can put balls over, he can put balls between legs, he can throw flat passes behind the, the advancing, um, advancing defence. He is that sort of player. And I just feel that's what we've been missing. Bigger tried it. And he's, you know, it just, you know. Yeah. He's, he's not, as you could see, he, he was so hesitant when he was trying it. When he was trying the quick, the, 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 the you know, the, the show and go and try, you know, trying these things, he, it's, he's not got the same accuracy. No. And he hasn't got the same speed to kind of trick, trick the opposition defence. He also puts too much pressure on himself as well. If you look at him, he, he's... It all goes back to the whole um, the ticks that he used to have when he was going to kick the ball. Um, he's 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 he is a control player. He likes to control the game, and when he starts to he feels he's starting to lose control, he loses his game. Um, whereas Finn doesn't give a job, no. or doesn't no. show that he gives a job. You know, no, no. I think I've I've heard people say that you can tell before a game, and this I've heard this second hand how Finn's going to play. Because if he's all dancing, he's all singing, he's happy, he's juggling, he's doing all these little tricks, he'll play well. But if he's quiet, that's when you worry about Finn. Yeah, yeah. If he's yeah. quiet and, and, and in himself, that's when you need to worry about him. I think that the, the one thing this plays into the Lions' hands is, I think, again, people who are worried about Finn Russell, who, you know, let's face it, they're not the Scottish fans, the, you know, the, the rest of the media is, the... This tour, the Lions haven't shown the hand at all in the warm-up games. They haven't wanted to show the hands. And for all we were saying, you can see the combination starting to build. You can see what they're going to do. That was obviously never the plan. There was obviously a, They had a plan for the first test, but they, 
that it was obviously a plan that they devised and then had to work out how they were going to conceal that going forward so that the the Springboks would have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. It's a plan that was very easily worked out for the second test. Finn Russell is a completely unknown quantity here for the Springboks and how he plays. They have no idea what the what he's going to do or, or what the Lions are going to allow him to do on the pitch. And you're right, I think Owen Farrell has thrown a few flat passes, but he can't do it with the same degree of accuracy as Finn Russell no. can. And I'm sure, you know, Owen Farrell is, and that's again, I'm not, as a Scotland fan, I'm not saying that Owen Farrell undoubtedly has strengths in areas above Finn Russell. I'm not saying that Finn Russell has, as an all-round player is better than Owen Farrell. They've got the strengths and weaknesses, but for what the Lions have been trying to do in the second, in the last quarter when they brought Farrell on, has been to play the Finn Russell game, but Farrell can't do it. Yeah. Well, you need to look, if you look, go back to that, that um, Calcutta Cup match where Finn Russell kind of came off at half-time and went, you know, on the build-up to the uh, too many too many beers in the in the hotel gate. Um, you know, he said to Tooney, "It's not working. We're going to have to play something else." And Tooney said, "No, no, we're going to continue to play this kicking game." And he and and he and he decided, "No, nah, screw it. We're going to uh, we're going to." And that's that kind of is making me. It's almost what's repeating itself with the second mm-hmm. test. Because we had, you know, the Lions are playing a certain way, and this is what we're going to do. Um, and when it didn't work, well, we doubled down, and and that's where we've been missing. You know, you would probably would have been better having someone like Mark if, if Finn wasn't available. Marcus Smith on the bench to completely change it up on something like that. You know, you want something completely opposite, and that's what the reason Finn Russell is is there, is they want someone completely opposite to to bigger. Because there was, you know, Farrell really wasn't in in the team or in the squad as a 10 he was going down as a as a just a just in case 10 and mainly a 12 yeah you know? yeah so um what's going to happen at the weekend then craig what, what's your what's your prediction um i i, I right i'm going to go positive I'm going to say say Lions are taking it and I'm going to say that uh, Finn Russell is going to be going to crap. uh, You know, Bigger's going to have a a tough time of it for the first 35, 40 minutes and then halftime Russell's coming on and he's going to save us all. Yeah. I'm predicting. (laughs) I'm predicting we've got... um, is it Marcus? uh, His surname, the guy that the the commentator's back for the third test, isn't he? Yes. um, Yes, I've totally. Yeah, I know who you mean. He's recovered from cancer surgery. He's back. So we're. I think we hear Price to Russell. Russell with a chip over the top to Vandermeer. Vandermeer scores, and that's the two. And that is the two. And that that that's that puts the Lions seven points ahead with two minutes to go. And and the game's won, and we get to say for the next four years, Price to Russell, Russell over the top to Duhan. <laughs> Duhan scores. It was all down the Scottish lads. Yep, and Duhan um, scored it by um, uh, battering over the top of Malcolm Marks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, he was clutching his chest because he was still full of COVID. And- <laughs> And that's us. With, uh, yeah, and and also Tooney is then um, 
the next Lions Tour head coach? I think this is the thing. I think and we will do a proper kind of Lions summary or roundup, I think, probably next week. Um, depend depending on how it goes. If it goes really well, we'll just talk about the game next week and then we'll do the roundup. If it goes really badly, we'll just do a roundup. Um, I, I have a hard job seeing Townsend not being the next Lions coach because of the way that the kind of succession planning's gone yeah. in previous tours for, with, with Gatland. I think if Andy Farrell had gone on this tour, I think you'd have an interest in the next four years saying, is it Farrell, is it Townsend? And that, that, that might still be a bit of debate. I think it might depend how Scotland go. But I, the fact he's gone on this tour, I, I think that, you know, McGeekin um, took Gatland on the tour before he became yeah. head coach. So it's hard to see him. Townsend not getting the job in four years' time, but that is if the Lions still exists as a concept, as a touring well, you know, concept in four years' time. Yeah, there's an awful lot of people saying that the Lions aren't a concept. It's an outdated mode of you know, well, gameplay and this, that, and the other, you know, back to the colonial days. I, I think it's all good. Yeah. Andrew Gardner says, if I hear the terms test match animal or bomb diffuser again, I'm boycotting the third test. Here, 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 here Andrew. <laughs> Absolutely. We've lost John Anderson, our test match animal. Yeah, he, I was uh, expecting some bomb defusal from him, and it's just ridiculous. Well, he said he's going to be back next. Week. He's struggling with his. He's struggling with his whiffy, so he's going to be. Uh, he said his internet's being really crap. He's got no upload load speed at all, so he's going to be back. We'll, we'll, we'll get John back next week. I know um, that feeling. Yeah, we've we've got interesting. We've got we've got a French referee at the weekend, and um, Rory on the official uh, blog Twitter account um made a comment about oh it's a fresh referee so anything goes and then ian put out quite an innocent tweet today i can't remember what it was it was just a random tweet about the rugby and michelle rue jr the celebrity chef replied to ian and said well you've got a french referee this weekend obviously you know tying ian to the blog and yeah so I thought we, you know we're moving up in the world craig we're getting celebrity chefs trolling us on twitter yeah, bonjour, Michelle. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, if, you, if you're watching, do you all give us a leave in the comments. And we had a little bit of fun, though. We thought we'd do a bit of a few, um, a few different lines food puns this evening um, in in honour of Michelle. Um, we've got. I said hog roast, but then I, you know it's a family podcast, so I'm not sure about that. Um, Ian had a couple of goods. We got. Um, I had shark fin soup. Nice. Um, Ian's was uh, fish in a water etzebeth. Mm. A stretch one. Uh, he's making some pollard pork. He said, "Am yeah. he said am making some pollard pork even better?" I'm not sure. I think he means pooled pork, but it's a yeah. stretch. Um, he said, "If only South, if only South Africa were fit, they could have braised ox niche eeks." Yeah, they're awful. They're awful. They are awful. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so, I had one off. Uh, was it um, Shuhan Van der Merwe? But that oh, well, that's really worked as well. <laughs> There's the um, I had the bomb squad, but I think that only works in writing. Yeah, yeah, bomb with an yeah. E. Is that? Yeah, bomb with an E. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. If you've got drop that, if you if you can think of any lines and Springboks related food puns, drop them in the comments and we'll we'll pick them up. Um, this week though, or this weekend just gone, it was the um. The start of the Foz Rock Super Six. Um, this is going to see um, see us through to the start of the URC and 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 um, kind of cover us through to the start of club rugby, which will be starting very soon as well. Um, 
we're going to do every week for the next few weeks, we're going to call it pick of the six and do some, uh, just kind of pick up some, some interesting talking points and things from the, the three games every week. Um, Craig, I'm interested in your ticket up as a, I'm interested in the super six now that it's happening in isolation of club rugby kind of, cause I know the club season's due to start soon and the URC. And I think, yeah. I would hope it would continue because it it kind of will give us almost year round rugby, mm-hmm. and I think it, the Super Six needs this breathing space to kind of get the attention it it, it needs. Absolutely, um, I, I it was funny. I was sitting downstairs and uh, put on YouTube to bring them up and um, uh, and, and watched a couple of games, and uh, it was just a almost taken a weight off my shoulders um, to see some rugby, some Scottish rugby, and to take me away from the constant Lions barrage at the moment. So I think it was, it was, I think it's absolutely, it's perfect timing. Um, and, and it's been an interesting start to the start to the season for them. It has been. Um, I think as a product, it, it looks good. I would say the one thing I watched, the, the Birmingham Bears, Harriet's game was the live game on the Friday night. So all Friday night games, for those that don't know, are live on the iPlayer and BBC Sports Scotland. Um, and you can we haven't been able to find it on the um, iPlayer since. I think you have to watch it live. I don't think they keep it, but it's on the SRU YouTube channel. And I think it's if you on can, free sports as well. Yeah, and all the games are on free sports. So if you get the free sport, mm-hmm. you can watch it live on free sports, which is on your um, on your digi boxes and your Sky Sports box, your Sky boxes. Anyway, excuse me. Um, but you can also get the free sports app, which is free to download, and you watch the games back afterwards as well. The SIU are also putting out a highlights package, and they are, I mean, they're fairly extended highlights as well. I would say they're not just kind yeah. of, oh, here's the scores. I watched I watched the Burramier and the Harriet's game or most of it, and then I watched the highlights of the other games because I didn't attempt to watch mm. all three. Um, I think that as a package is quite attractive as well. The fact that you can, you know, it's accessible to everybody for free. And again, like you said, there's no, there's no other rugby happening. I mean, I think you know, Boromir and Harriets was a sellout at the weekend. Mm-hmm. We've got, I'm looking at the stats now. So the, at the moment, the highlights are starting. You know, got two thousand views on the highlights of round one at the moment. Um, the view of the live stream on YouTube has got five thousand views at the minute. So these, I mean, they're, they're promising, they're promising numbers. Um, Harriets and Boromir bears. Then that was kind of the, the with that game. I'm. I'm kind of, I'm surprised the way that went result-wise because I really like the look of how Boromir Bears are shaping up. They looked, conditioning-wise, they all, they looked, there was a a difference between the the condition of the Boromir players, particularly in the front row, I thought, compared, and it it showed a little bit. But maybe with, I think, you know, with the fact that nobody's played rugby for so long, there was a bit of rustiness, and I'm excited to see what Boromir can do with the way that they're playing if they stop trying to play, overplay it, and if they cut out the errors because they put uh, Harriet didn't seem to be in the Boromir 22 an awful lot, and Boromir were knocking on the door for a lot of that match. Yeah, um, I, I, I this was the uh, this was a 
a fantastic round for uh, me being a how uh, how man. Um, we have three <laughs> three ex how players in the in both in both teams. So um, it was great to see uh, see Rory Drummond and Cami Fenton and Ian Wilson all play all, all playing um, because we don't. Okay, fair enough, Cami. We've seen him every so often play for Edinburgh, um, but we 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 don't you don't get to see a lot of these players who have graduated from your uh, your your club team and into, into the Super Six, you know, unless you actually physically go to the go to the uh, the game. So it was great. Um, yeah, uh, Harriet's looked a little bit on you know, Borough Muir definitely were ready for the game. And, uh, you know, um, Colleen Barreto looked fantastic, looked on form, looked like a a, a nine that um, is, is wanting to go places. Um, I was impressed. And, and he, okay, he's becoming um, a more of a senior member of the team, but Tom Brown looked absolutely mm. fantastic. Um, he made a couple of wee mistakes, but, you know, his pace was phenomenal. There was one point that he yeah. received a ball. Uh, I think uh, I think the winger received the kick um, and then passed it to Tom Brown and he took off and then was tackled and injured the player who tackled him. Um, uh, you know, he, he looked incredibly quick. So... <sighs> A close game, and and it was a and actually um, uh, it was a there was an opportunity to um, for uh, Harriets to win the game, and unfortunately yeah. they didn't take it. You know, yeah, which was which is a shame for them because I, I think for me that I think Boromir played the better rugby out of the two yeah. teams. Um, mm. You can tell they've got a set of former set of sevens. Um, Scotland Sevens coach as a head coach for the way that they played. I like, I like, I like. I think you're right, uh, Barreto. I really liked the way that he, he he was man of the match. I think he he played. I actually quite like um, Tom Pittman there, the, the the standoff as well. Yeah, kind of. He was he was really. I thought he played really well. There was a point he just kind of whipped the pass too quickly, and he could have sent. Um, we could have had a try near the end. So, no, that was it. Was an enjoyable game to watch. It was exciting. Um, it was it was entertaining. I think it's again. I think the as a as a starting point for the Super Six as a product going forward. If you see them, and this was true across all three matches, if everybody starts to tighten things up and everybody starts to get their conditioning right, then this is going to be an exciting tournament. Yeah, um, I I think um, it's a it's a good start. Um, I think this is really the start that they've needed compared to the last season they played, um, because they needed the um, they needed the the exposure um, of 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 being able to you know people being able to watch the games as we've discussed before, um, you know traveling through to 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 air isn't isn't an option for a lot of people to go and watch uh, air Watsonians for example. So you know it's great to be able to, to put it up on the TV and watch it. So that you know getting the um, Getting the ability to watch and, and see some of these players come through, and also not not competing with the you know the, the pro teams or the, or the clubs at the weekend as well. So some you know if people want to go and see rugby, if it's the only thing in show, it, it draws people in, um, and and the games are entertaining as well. Like, you know, the, 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 this they're not these aren't. That, I mean, it might be because it's summer rugby as well, which I know in Scotland there's a long debate about whether or not that's a good or a bad thing. But it, you know, it's you know the. the all the apart from the the, the Burnham Harriet's game was fifteen thirteen, but it didn't feel like a fifteen thirteen match. The but the, the other games, you know, it's twenty plus points every every other team scoring. The, and they were close. They're all within a score. The, all within a score as well. I mean, the and, and again, the, like you said, you talked about the end of the Harriet's game. I mean, the end of the Southern Knights game, 
you know, like Southern Knights getting, you know, going over the line at the end and mm. with the missing the conversion and then still being time to play, you know, to, to draw the match at 24 all is anyway that it's good that everybody's playing good running rugby and that there's there's quick ball coming. And I think if it's one, I think it needs to be it's you know, we want this to be an entertaining product for people to watch, and that's one of it. But the other thing I think a lot of people are looking forward to is to be a, a development, get a step up, or an ability yeah. to let players step up. And I think if it, if it if they continue to play at that pace in the way that they do week in week out, it'll get better. Yeah, and I think I think you know there there are if you go and look at the squad announcements, for example, when they, they announced all the squads, etc. They are trying to put across that, you know, for example, Harriet's were saying that 90% of their squad have played club rugby or have graduated through the, the, the academies, the Scottish academies. And they are trying to, um, you know, I guess, um, uh, nail their, uh, you know, what's the word? They are trying to tell everyone, look, look, we are developing Scottish players. We are trying to, you know, rather than just signing in. They have obviously brought in a few yeah. players here and there. But um... I think that's interesting because I was thinking about this. And I know we were kind of down on about with the podcast in the past, but thinking about it, it, for a new competition, it makes sense because if you want to have set the standard from the off, you, you kind of need guys who are coming in from New Zealand, South Africa maybe, who who are at that higher standard and, and are coming in and setting the standard for the players that are there and saying, look, you want to get past me. I've I've been brought in off a YouTube highlights reel that you know somebody sent over here just to kind of have a gap here in Scotland. You want to push me out the team, you're gonna to have to raise the level of your game. Yeah. And that pushes everybody on. So you know, it might be that for the next two, three, four seasons, we'll see players coming in. It might even be something you see longer term. I mean, you've seen, I mean, the South African Teams do, I think, for the Curry Cup, and um, I think in what well, are the equivalent of in, in New Zealand? There's, they have the Cup in New Zealand as well. But I can't remember yeah, the name. I've, I've, it's, no, I've forgotten what that is. Someone will jump there. in the comments twenty seconds after we've talked about this and tell me what it is. But um, yeah, yeah the, the, there's the equivalent that the, you know all the you see like all the pros in New Zealand drop down to every year as well, and they draft in players from overseas. And again, it's just I think. It, it sets the standard. It pushes the other players on. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad thing so long as the teams aren't filled with them. Yeah, absolutely. And you also, you know, it's. I I think it. I think the visibility now and seeing the visibility that we're getting now, um, for it, I think it's going to give more impetus for the club players. They have, you know, if, if we can extend it to eight clubs, um, you'll have more people have the opportunity to go and actually, you know, knock on the door and actually have a chance of playing semi-professional rugby. And they can they can see if they're going to hack it as well. Um, rather than being lumped into, a, 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 you know, into an Edinburgh squad or a Glasgow squad where they're sitting in the, you know, they're, they're running bags for people because they're not at that level, but they're actually going to get, especially with, pros who have been up there and they're coming back down the way, um, they're going to raise their game for them. They're going to get to, you know, it's going to bring them up. I think I think it's a positive move. I think it really yeah. is. And then, you know, obviously Southern Knights having Ross Ford as one of their assistant coaches is just oh, awesome too. <laughs> so, um, Michael says the MPC, it was the Mitre 10. It was the Mitre 10 we were yeah. thinking of in the New Zealand. But but again, that's the other thing. It's an opportunity for young coaches as well, isn't it? That yeah. 
to to come in and 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 for guys to drop down like Robbie Nairn was playing for Air at the weekend and and Robbie Nairn was a very exciting prospect for Glasgow and just there, there was there's obviously something going on there that we just don't know about um that the men that he he never kind of kicked on in the way that everyone thought he should have done um yeah. the fact that someone like that can drop down though and maybe have a second chance at playing yeah a, a reasonable level and say do you know what i'm just going to sort myself out for a season and then i'm I, i'll give it another crack or i'll here's a chance to kind of show that i've still got something about me i think is good because you know we've seen the drop we've talked about again before on the podcast the kind of drop off of players who it's either it's professional you're in the glasgow Embra squads or it's nothing yeah. Well, here's here's a way that you can carry on playing to a reasonable level. Here's a way that we're developing young coaches in Scotland, and like I said, I think the standards the standard looks good. It looks okay. It looks okay, and I think um, I think it's going to be uh, it'll be an interesting season to watch, and I'm looking forward to watching it, which is yeah. a, a plus point for me as well. You know. Yeah. So um, the, a couple of people saying, I mean, um, the Michael saying this, the MPC is all pro. Um, which is the might of ten. I think it's the level below that that's semi-pro, uh, and that's that's the heartland. I mean, I think we'll, we'll get there, Michael. Let's let's not let's not walk before we can run. I mean, it's there's no reason I don't think if it's good, it's being given its own space. I would hope the can yeah. the the uh, the SIU continue to do that because it will struggle against the URC. I think going forward, but as a Kind of as a way of saying, look, it's there's no tests on at the moment. There's no other, you know, there's no professional rugby on at the moment. But here's some other rugby that's a good standard you might want to see, and you might even recognise some of the names of the players and some of the name of the coaches, and come along and have an make an afternoon of it. I think is a is will be attractive to a lot of people. Uh, Magnus saying the plan on reviewing the format in three or four years. Yeah, I think that's and again, if if we can get to Super Eight, like you said, Craig, and we can have. You know, another team in the west, another team in the borders, and maybe one up north. I know that yeah. makes it super. That makes it super nine, but super zero. nine. Well, super <laughs> nine. Is that, is that not a film? No, it's a anyway. Super eight. Um, super super eight's eight. Super eight is the film. Yeah. I, well, I'll have to super um, nine it for copyright reasons. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's it's one of those situations. I I, I worry about it a little bit. Um, I was a little bit concerned when it came. I remember when when. When it was all announced, and 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 the SRU put out the the um, uh, the standards that you had to set to be a Super Six club, um, and you you know for example, uh, you know one close to my heart, each team had to have a women's a women's team playing for the, uh, playing within their club, um, and you know for example, the Southern Knights had. A Melrose women's team up until they got announced as a super sick club and then disbanded it straight away. Um, Boramura don't think have a, a women's team on at the moment, but you know, you've got Harriet, Stirling County, Ayrshire, um, uh, sorry, Ayr and Watsonians all have women's teams. I think if we if we keep them to their standards that they're expected to feed back to club rugby, um, I think as long as we do that and we keep on that, I think it will be a good thing. I find it difficult, I still find it difficult that. Watsonians and Boromir are across the road from each other. Yeah. Um, you walk out of Megatland and you've you've parked your car outside um outside uh, Watsonians, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, although if you look at how they're performing, then they look evenly matched, so maybe they deserve to be there. It's different. I mean, I'll see we'll see how that goes. I 
watching that game, I think Harriet's will struggle. I think Boromir looked rusty. I think, like I said, I, I thought that um, Rory Drummond was well. I think Rory Drummond looks like a phenomenal number eight, but yeah. he he was he was overplaying at times. I think he took into contact when things went on. But you know that's just a lack of game time. It said on the commentary, you know, the gaps look bigger than they actually are sometimes, and you know you can understand it's the first game. Everyone's keen to kind of have a run out, but. I don't know, but, but Boromir, they looked to me like a difference in class between Boromir and Harriet, and I think it was just that Boromir weren't clinical enough on the day. And yeah. looking at the other games from the weekend, I think Harriet will be the one to struggle against the other teams. Yeah, I think um, look, looking at them, uh, you know, um, uh, I thought uh, the Bulls looked quite good, Watsonians like to handle the ball well um, and they threw the ball around quite a lot um, and play you know played rugby if you know what I mean um, so I, I think I think Harriet's are only really um, for me a, a pre-season away from it I know that I know they're already playing in it but they, I think if they have another season I think you might find Harriet's coming through because they've got the names they've got the players um, it's just a matter of getting them uh, getting them Maybe match fit a little bit more match fit, um, but yeah, I think I think Boromir have got a good shout at uh, you know if if they can get rid of the errors, they've got a good shout of taking it this season. Yeah, just on the first game, you know. Yeah, um, I didn't like the Stalin County shots. I will say that. Yeah, they were I thought they were... atrocious. I thought there was two problems with that game. Uh, first one was uh, Stalin County need to cut the grass. Um, <laughs> And second of all, I'm sorry, but the Southern Knights, every time Southern Knights is mentioned, I think about Glenn Campbell singing it. Yeah. Um, so it's a terrible, it's, we've talked about this one, it's absolutely a tro- It's a terrible name. Like, I know they were wanting to avoid the Reavers. I know with all the connotations, but it just makes no, and I know there were knights and there's fables about King Arthur and the Yielden Hills near Melrose and stuff, but it's an awful, awful name. It, well, sounds, I, I, it's, I, it's, it still sounds to me like it's some secret organisation or an offshoot of the KKK. <laughs> That's bang on. It seems I I, uh, I play for the How Knights, or well, I used to play for the How Knights along with Johnny, and we love the Knights, and you know it's on our badge and this that, and the other, and that's fine. And I understand the Knights side of things, but the problem is, a you've got a Glen Campbell song that everybody knows that just, <laughs> just that just makes you sing it in your head, and second of all, just as you say. It, it just you just think of the deep south. It doesn't help that I'm watching reruns of True Blood at the moment. But just, <laughs> all I expect, all I think is these there's, there's these guys down in Melrose losing the Melrose accent, go ma 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 the board. You can lift so much. Ma ma Mister Ford, you make me feel so unnecessary with your power lifts. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's the, the, just the way that they've changed the the, the, the green yards to, what, um, to plastic pitches. That's maybe the there's problem. um there's no way there's no way anybody's fanning themselves in Melrose with the weather there are this. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hot outside tonight. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's yeah, I, I don't. I don't like the name of the Southern Knights. I hope they change at some no. point. Um, Sarah. Um, Sarah is in the comments. She says Melrose ladies sadly disbanded prior to the Super Six starting, but it wasn't related to that. Um, I'd, I'd like you said though, Craig. I hope, I hope they do something about that. I hope they. I, I understand with COVID and stuff. I think there's a lot of rugby clubs struggling to get people in. I know you know Berwick had has had had good numbers at training for the 
ladies have maybe dropped off a little bit as life returns to normal. And it is it is hard to get things started because a lot a lot of clubs are starting. or you you know you're heavily involved. You know, a lot of clubs are kind of starting from year zero with it. You just having to get people in just to kind of even introduce kind of the concept of rugby. Yeah, but what I would hope they don't do is just kind of co-opt another club's hard work and and bring it in, but maybe kind of look to offer facilities and coaching and partner up with somebody would be the right way forward. I think. Yeah, I think I think that was one of the um, one of the things that Dundee had put together. They were partnering up with you know it was a mixture of um, uh, of two Dundee clubs and and also the university. So I think that was quite a nice a nice mix there um, that they were going to try to put together. Um, just going back to Sarah's point, yeah, um, listen, I I have absolutely no problem with uh, uh, with Melrose ladies. It was one of the women. They it was one of our last games we played uh, before they disbanded, and we played them, and it was an absolutely fabulous day, a great bunch, and we had a. a, a it's always been my. My dream to play at the Green Yards. I never got to play at the Green Yards, but I got to coach at the Green Yards and I got to sit at the sidelines and it was fabulous. So, uh, you know, um, that was a great memory. So I can't say very much about that apart from I'm sorry if I got that wrong. But um, no, I, yeah. I think just as you say, it's, it, as long as there is, we have to be careful that we're not um, t- um, we're not taking players away from different clubs to to come into our middle, our middle ground because we, we, we all want all of our clubs to play rugby and, and we want as many people within uh, the sport as we possibly can. Yeah. Here, here. Um, we've not got much uh, else to discuss. Rico, you got any hands in the ruck? I know we kind of covered some last week. Anything <laughs> yeah, before? hands in the ruck. The All Blacks are at their, uh, just, um, you know, there's Australia showing us, uh, I never thought I'd say this, that Australia are showing us how to, uh, how to deal with uh, errant players um, and, uh, <laughs> and and sort them out. And then the All Blacks, oh, by the way, you can go and do whatever you want and then we'll just, you know, you'll get a, a cup, two, you know, two game ban or whatever it was um, uh, for, for what, I would I would think should be a bannable offence um, completely, yeah. you know, if proven guilty. Um, if proven guilty, but I mean, you know, they've got what they're supposed to have the famous having the no the no um, penis yeah. head policy, like, yeah. you know, yeah. And I don't I don't see how how that how how that kind of go, goes into that at all. I don't I don't see how that fits into that. I know it's instant until proven guilty. And I know you give somebody a chance to. You give people a chance. I, I believe in redemption. I believe that people can. I don't like, you know, I, I don't think cancel culture exists. I think I think Johnny hit on the nail on the head a few weeks ago when he we called it consequence culture. Mm. I think that's right. And I, I, I believe that people, if they can show they've learned from something, have, have absolutely have the right to to come back and if they. But but that's not a two game ban. You know, no. to demonstrate no. you're truly remorseful for something that you've learned, you need to go away and. And show that you need to go away and do work and work on yourself, work with other you know, charities, whoever, organizations to kind of give something back before you're then allowed to, you know, step into the what is, you know, at the minute it's the biggest brand in world rugby, isn't it? Yeah. And again, we go, we go back to um, what's acceptable in your rugby club. Um, and if you, if you accept, um, you know, well, you know, they, we don't like, you know, no penis heads in here, um, but it depends what your description of a penis head is. Um, and, and if it's acceptable to go and do that and get, oh, get a slap on the wrist, then, then you know, I find that difficult, especially from what we're being told is the best team in the world, the best 
play the best rugby in the world or the big one of the most recognisable rugby teams in the world. Um, Supposedly the best culture, you know, sports yeah. culture, one of the best, most often cited sports cultures in the world. And yeah, they need to be leaders. Yeah, that's it. My hands in the ruck is um, the way that people are talking about and Brian O'Driscoll was one of these uh, talking about the players who haven't been picked for any of the tests or even picked for the third tests and I think Brian O'Driscoll's projecting a little bit when he talks about this saying you know how are they going to feel that they've gone out on tour and they've not played any of the tests I think firstly I, I, I don't think as professional sports uh, sportsmen they're going out there. They shouldn't be going out there with an expectation that they're going to be given the jersey for a test. Yeah. They should all be going out there knowing they've got to work for it and pushing each other. I think with this too, and it's hard to know because it might just be the COVID circumstances, but we've had, as far as I'm aware, there's been, apart from the first squad being leaked, and we, we've no idea who that, that was by, we've had no leaks of any dissent within camp, whereas in previous years you've had like Matt Dawson writing a column in the Metro about how bad things are yeah. from inside the camp. We've had no, there's been nothing on social media. There's been no grumbling. There's been no hit. Nobody's come back from too early homesick. You know, Josh Adams has watched his wife give birth via Zoom and, you know, and, and Warren Gatlin's talked openly, presumably with Josh Adams' permission, that that's something that Josh Adams has struggled with. Mm-hmm. But, it seems like they're a very close-knit group of players. And obviously, Gregor Townsend and Warren Gatlin, the other coaches, have, have produced a culture within the Lions this year where everyone feels like they're contributing. And that hasn't always been true of the previous tours where even the last tour, I think Warren Gatlin probably learned from that where they had you know, the midweek squad you know, f- felt separate from the test squad and maybe it was very apparent early on who was playing and who wasn't. In yeah. the test team, but but it doesn't feel like that this time round. And you would hope, and and certainly what what seems to be coming out is that everybody who isn't picked understands the contribution that they then make in training every day to pushing the guys that have been picked to win. So they're part. They if if the twenty three or the fifty, you know, who how many players get on the pitch on Saturday, win that. It won't be just because of those players. It'll be because of the entire squad. Because midweek, they're the Springboks, right? And training, they're the ones that are going hell for leather, putting them under pressure Mm -hmm. so they can then perform on the Saturday. And you would hope there is a kind, certainly there seems to be the culture within it that, that, you know, it's a, they seem a tight knit group and it seems to be that everyone's bought into that. So I don't, I think it's a bit of a false narrative that there's going to be players who are kind of, I mean, obviously, privately, they might be quite upset and gutted, and that would be only be right, I guess. But I don't think anybody's going to be seething with resentment. No, I, it's well. Let, let's 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 break it down to the the, the most basic facts and uh, and and what this tour really has been about this this year, and that's money. They've been paid a hell of a lot of money for six to nine weeks of their life. Um, they are uh, going to they're able to come. Back to the back to wherever they're going to be playing, and when they're renegotiating their contract, they are Lions player Louis Rees, Samet, uh, Josh Adams, 
Hamish Watson, etc. So that automatically adds an amount of money on top of uh, on top of what they usually get. So there's there's two very basic things. But I think also you're always going to have it. If you look at back at all the Lions tours, you've got guys that are on tour um, who are brand new to it, like Hogg was three three tours ago, um, like Finn was last. Well, okay, he was a geography six, I suppose, but uh, you know he was a geography player. But you know they got they were on tour to to be taught the um, taught the ropes, shown the ropes. This is what we expect from you, and then they will feature in the next tour. So you've got your Reese Samets, your Sam Simmons, um, your Ali Prices, because Ali Price will probably will 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 have a good shot at going next next time. But also you've got your your players the other side that have been there, done that, and are on their way out, like the Jamie Georges, um, the Owen Farrells, the Brian O'Driscolls, etc. So that's going to happen. Um, and yeah. so I, I think, you know, being a lion in, in, in this, these COVID times, being able to go away six to nine weeks, have have a huge amount of fun, um, be paid a huge amount of money and go and play the sport that you're professionally um, uh, expected to play and, and all the different things that are, you're now going to be called a lion for the rest of your life. I think it's a pretty good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think anybody's coming back from this tour writing any horrid books because <laughs> you know i don't think there's going to be any backlash from from the setup of the way things were maybe maybe there is maybe they're all yeah, it'll be interesting be interesting interesting to see um that's it for this week anyway i didn't get time to talk about glenn bryce emceeing over adam ash djing uh whilst fat man <laughs> scoop wrapped that was not I'm ever in a million years expect to see Glenn Bryce emceeing in LA yeah. whilst Adam Ash DJed and Fat Man Scoop was also there. But, <laughs> Staying out of that completely. That's a, I just yeah. uh, baffling. Go, yeah. it's on Adam Ash's Instagram. Go and have a look at that. But I'll one tell thing, you, the MLR looks fantastic. I, I look like I, I quite fancy a trip to go and watch one of those games. I know the 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 merchandise is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I want a guillotine. I'm getting a guillotine shirt. Flat. Yeah, Johnny McGinty is absolutely over the moon with the vests that are available. He just wants to get a vest. <laughs> I'm banning vests on this podcast. Very clear. It's a no vest, a no vest podcast. Making full is regulate. I was looking up this week. It's a regulation law four, I think, or law eight. I can't remember which one. One of the laws which says. I'm going to make it the same law for the thing, which is the uh, the arm of your t-shirt must come halfway between the shoulder and the uh, and the and, and the elbow. Well, absolutely. The problem I have with vests is that I get a little bit of slubbage popping out on the other side, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. No. Anyway, <laughs> so that's on that note. That's it for me and Craig this week. Um, we'll be back next week to review the third test, um, and um, we'll, we'll have a review. I think there's some Super Six games this weekend as well. So we'll see how things. We'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll have another two podcasts next week. Um, for the moment, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig. Goodbye, all.